I mean, in general, I feel that yes, we we had very little resources, but I guess because we were so worried and we didn't know what to expect, and that fear made everybody react a certain way towards what we had. So we had enough tests, but we were given very little because they didn't know they were going to get more. So the supplies that we had were never enough. And then suddenly we had so many that they probably even go to waste. And it was medication that could have saved people's lives at, at, at the beginning when we really needed it. Good morning. This is Epicenter NYC. We connect our communities to news, information, and each other. I'm Andrea Pineda Salgado. In December of 2020, New York City began administering the very first COVID-19 vaccines. Since then, we've been on the front lines, making sure our neighbors get their shots. In fact, thousands of New Yorkers turned to Epicenter staff, volunteers, and our partners to get vaccinated. But we realized we could do more. So in September of 2021, we set up a pop-up vaccination site in partnership with New York City Test and Trace in Queens Village, one of the city's most under-vaccinated neighborhoods. Now, over a year later, our team is still distributing doses to neighbors in need. Today, Epicenter editorial manager Daniel Himes and Queens Village site supervisor Adriana Perano look back at the different phases of the pandemic and what we've learned along the way. Before we begin, a quick message. If you want to influence what happens in your neighborhood, then head over to City Field on Sunday, January 29th, between noon and 2 p.m. Join members of our community to help shape the future of Queens. To RSVP, visit queensfuture.com or click the link in our show notes. See you there. Now, back to the show. Here's Danielle and Adriana. My name is Adriana Prano, and I am the site supervisor for Epic Center. And what that means is that I pretty much uh, was running all the operations on the ground for everything related to COVID vaccinations and boosters and second doses and also testing and making sure that people have access to take home tests for COVID and everything related to COVID and a little bit of the monkey packs as well, but mostly COVID. And um so we had a van and we make sure that people had access to tests and we make sure that people get access to the medication in case that they test positive. How long in total were you working in Queens Village? A little bit over a year and a half. And it sounds like you were working in Queens Village for a lot of different variations of the pandemic. Can you kind of walk me through the different phases that you saw during your time there? When we started, we had pretty much just known of COVID as the virus, the general virus, COVID-19. We knew that it was affecting people. People were afraid. And pretty much that's, I think, the first phase that I saw. Everybody was with fear and they didn't know what to do. The government was trying to incentive people to get vaccinated. We had the $100 incentive at that time. I saw a lot of people who trusted the vaccine and will be willing to do it. Other people that went for the incentive, other people just went because they had no choice but to get vaccinated. Um, a lot of people were afraid of losing their jobs. And the only way that they were going to keep their jobs was if they got vaccinated. And so that's pretty much what we saw. And it has been consistent in all the inconsistency that we had over the year. 
So whenever the different type of virus came out, like Alpha, we had the outreach again, like at some point in September from 2021, October, November, everything was going down and it seemed like the rate of people that was getting vaccinated was very low. And then suddenly December came and we had, I think, Delta and Omicron, which was one of the most difficult viruses that we had to deal with because of the um, way it spread so quick. And so, again, we had a lot of people trying to get vaccinated, and we also had a lot of people trying to get tested at the same time, and it was very, very hard to handle the situation with the limited resources that we had. At some point, we were lucky enough to have a testing van and a vaccination van, but most of the time, we only had one van for everything, and the lines for people to get tested were very, very long. Um, It changed Nothing has been consistent. We had large numbers of people trying to get vaccinated, then it went down, then it went up again. So all this year, I think what has been consistent is people not knowing exactly if the vaccine is going to help them or not, but trusting that if they do get vaccinated, they will prevent a major catastrophe happening, like losing their lives or preventing their family members or their loved ones to get infected and probably dying in the process. And at the end, I think most people were sure that the vaccine was there to help and that doing the right thing was to get vaccinated and incentive other people to get vaccinated as well. Do you feel like that sentiment is still the same? I know that some people, you know, they got the vaccine... And then they've seen all these various and subsequent boosters come out. Why do you think the rates of the bivalent boosters are so low? Um, I think the reason why it's so low is because people think that they already got enough vaccines in their bodies and that they don't need anything else. Or that if what they have in them is not going to help them, nothing will. You know, I know that the reason that you're no longer working in Queens Village is because Epicenter's funding from the city to do the vaccine outreach is done. They stopped Mm -hmm. funding it at the end of last year. Do you feel like that was a premature decision on the city's part? Or do you feel like that is kind of in line with, you know, the way we are treating COVID now? Well, I do feel that it was premature because we now have a new variant that is, again, spreading really quickly. And as we speak, a lot of people are testing positive. Like in my kids' school, six out of 12 are out because they tested positive in COVID. Everywhere you look around, people are still testing positive. So as much as we want to move forward and leave this behind, it's truly hard to do so because, because we still get in mutations and we still get in sick. Yes, it's true that the rate at which people were dying at the beginning is not as high. But that doesn't mean that it's over. It seems like it might be something that's never really over. No, I don't think so. I think I think it's something that is going to keep on going. And I guess what everybody is doing is accepting the fact that this is something that we're going to have to deal with in our lives. Kind of like the flu? Kind of like the flu. And speaking of so many people having COVID right now, I mean, I know that Epicenter staff, half of us have had COVID in the last three or four weeks. Is it still hard to get a test? 
for some people it is, for some others not. I guess it's also part of the vocation that we are at, but I believe it will get harder as time passes by because just like we had not gotten any more money, I'm sure a lot of the community will stop getting those grants for those bands to be out. So when that goes out, I'm sure everybody is going to have to find a way to get tested. I mean, one of our staff members who worked with me on the ground, Maggie, her brother, he is disabled, but in Westchester, he got sick and he needed to get tested and he had to pay to get tested. He couldn't get it for free. And it was kind of shocking that someone who's, you know, within the system for disability had to test and get paid. Yeah, that really takes me back to the early days of the pandemic when people were paying so much for tests. I'm so used to there just being an abundance of free tests. Free. But it seems like the government offered four free tests per household again semi-recently, right? Yes. And we also have what we didn't have before, which is the take-home tests. And one of the reasons why I think the government doesn't think that that many positive outcomes have come from people is because we're all relying on the take-home tests, right? So we we don't go to get tested anymore. We're feeling bad. We take the take-home tests. We test ourselves. We know we're positive. So so we just isolate and go through it as a normal flu. Right. But um, we did not have that at the beginning. We also didn't... I don't think everybody trusted the tests. Like, we will test it. We will test positive. And then we will go to the centers and get tested just to make sure that the result that we got at home was true. And we don't we, we no longer do that, right? We we believe we believe the take home test. And I also remember in the early days of the pandemic, it was next to impossible to schedule a vaccine. That's why Epicenter ended up having, you know, a massive volunteer-led effort to help schedule people, especially people who weren't technology literate or didn't have time to spend hours and hours on their computer, schedule a vaccine. And then it got really easy. What is the situation now? Is it hard to get a vaccine again? No, vaccines are readily available for COVID-19. Of course, we don't have the massive amount of veins and sites like we had before, but it's very easy to get. So when the pandemic started, and let me give you an example, pediatrics, it was very hard to find a site that had pediatric vaccination. Now, pretty much every pediatric office has the COVID-19 vaccine. So it's no longer an issue where you have to hunt and research a place where you can take your kids. Okay, so it sounds like we haven't figured it out perfectly, but we're in a much better spot than we were before. Yes, definitely. I mean, there will always be room for improvement. We are still struggling. It has been what, two, two and a half years? And we are still trying to figure it out. And there's a lot, to be honest with you, there's a lot of still disbelief onto what the vaccine will do. Yeah, probably it's preventing you from getting sick and your loved ones right now. But there's also the other reality that is saying that is causing people to have heart attacks and things like that, right? And we don't know. And we will probably not know what the consequences or what it is in the long run, right? So I, I think a lot of people still doesn't really trust the vaccine because they don't know what it is and how is this going to affect their lives or their health. And they just refuse to take the vaccine and go somewhere else. And given all of your experience working on the ground with COVID, if there's something you could change or that you wish, you know, the health department or the national government had done differently, what would it be? 
I think probably releasing more of the medication, although it was expensive at that time, I felt that they were more concerned about the waste of the medication than saving poor people's lives. So if the medication was good enough for six kids, they would not open it unless you had six kids in line. Okay. And, and they will turn away. Medication, you're referring to the vaccines? The vaccines, yes. I mean, in general, I feel that, yes, we we had very little resources, but I guess because we were so worried and we didn't know what to expect and that fear made everybody react a certain way towards what we had. So we had enough tests, but we were given very little because they didn't know they were going to get more. So the supplies that we had were never enough. And then suddenly we had so many that they probably even go to waste. And it was medication that could have saved people's lives at, at, at the beginning when we really needed it. And what are you seeing from this current variant? From what I have seen, it spreads really, really fast, faster than the other ones. And that's the reason why so many people around us are getting uh, positive tests. And I'm hoping that it's not life-threatening like the other ones were. And I'm also hopeful because we now have medication, and I think the medication is preventing people from struggling as well. So hopefully with everything that we have right now, we are better prepared to fight a battle, even if that is the case. And is there anything that I didn't ask you that you'd like to add? For me, it was a very rewarding experience. I was able to help people with that. I don't know how they would have made it in different circumstances. I guess it's a survival, right? Because when you need something, you find a way. I was very happy to help elderly people. I think that's the most, the people who needed the most. I was there as a translator and I did help a lot of immigrants who didn't speak English, of course. And that was a beautiful thing to do. But I feel that something about elderly people is just touched my heart very much because they're, they seem so fragile to me and they are not technology savvy. So it was very hard for them, something that for us is very simple. Just get the QR code. And sometimes, you know, the staff didn't have the patience to help them set up. It's also not that they didn't have the patience. They were so busy. We, at some point, we had 400 people waiting in line. People were yelling. It was raining. It was cold. So it was understandable. And being able to take them to the side and create an email, a password, and get a QR code that is so basic, to do that for people who are not able to, it was, um, it was a beautiful thing that I, I think I'm going to take with me. To read more about the new COVID-19 variant, click the link in our show notes. Also, if you need help getting vaccinated, make sure to visit us at epicenter-nyc.com slash vaccine help. Remember, if you are five years or older, then you're eligible for a vaccine in New York State. Vaccines are free for all and require no proof of immigration status. For more ways to get involved in your community, visit us at epicenter-nyc.com. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. And thanks for supporting us as we do our best to support our community. We couldn't do it without you. And if you're not already a member, sign up today by using the link in our show notes. Our intro music is All the Pretty Horses by Karavika. You can find more of their music on their website, linked to, in our podcast description. 